Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to today's program. Welcome to the last Saturday of the month. Not only is it the last Saturday of the month, the last Saturday of December. That means it's the last day of the year. What a wonderful year we've had here on New Southern Garden. Thank you for letting us um, talk all about gardening this past year, giving you ideas and inspirations, I hope. Hopefully some things we've talked about have stimulated you to get out in the landscape, do something new, try some new plants. We've talked about a number of new plants this past year, and we'll continue to do so. I say new plants, sometimes the new plants are old plants. They've been around a long time, maybe they've been forgotten. There are some plants that we're growing at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flower Branch, Georgia, where you can find them throughout the week, that you don't see in the modern garden they've sort of fallen out of favor but why well some of them get kind of big bulky but because they've been they have disappeared for decades in our landscapes it sort of makes these old plants new so we hope in this next new year we continue to give you some great plants to try out to look for so that you have something different something new in your landscape but because it is the last Saturday of the month, today is our Q&A week. Of course, the last Saturday of the month, we compile all the questions that you've sent us uh, throughout this past month, and we, we answer them. They're your questions, our answers. And we hope that that solves some problems in your landscape, or maybe calms some fears, if there's fear there. Now, we do get a lot of questions, but we, we do like to hear about success stories. So... If you have a question or comment about the show or just about your own landscape, maybe some cool flower or something cool that happened. Uh, a listener sent me a picture this week of an indoor plant, a house plant. That is called pothos. Very easy to grow, by the way. If you want some easy house plants, you need to start out with pothos. But anyhow, this pothos was a variegated variety, so it had green leaves, but it also had white stripes in it, sort of. Well, a few of the leaves were starting to be half, one half of the leaf green and the other half white. And they thought that was really cool. And I thought it was really cool too. It's amazing what plants can do. It's amazing um, the kinds of, of uh, variation you can have, not just with indoor plants, but also our favorite landscape plants. So be sure to send us pictures, videos. You can do all that at Facebook and Instagram. We love to get that and stay in communication with you to see what is blooming or what is growing or what's going on in your landscape. So we've done just that this week. We're going to, we got a great show for you, a big show with a lot of questions. Uh, hopefully I can get to them all. You know me, a little long-winded. So we'll get to as many as my uh, long-windedness will allow, I suppose. Uh, but We've had a strange week up here, and I'm glad to see some of these questions. I don't know if you're, you know, we had a cold cold front come through uh, last weekend, of course, around the um, Christmas holiday. 
and it comes with a lot of concerns. Of course, at the nursery, we're growing baby plants, and you got to protect some. Some, they can handle the, the cold that we had. That was not a problem for them. So in your landscape, you may be seeing some things happening. If you're growing in our region or part of the uh, south where we did have these crazy, just abnormally low temperatures. We had some uh, folks from California that came to the nursery. They've moved uh, here, and they were just asking questions about what they can grow. And, of course, the part of California they were from, completely different uh, than what they're doing here in the south. Uh, but they, they just wanted reassurance. They said, what happened this past weekend? That's not normal, right? I said, no, it's not normal. It's possible. And maybe every 10 years we have this sort of deep freeze uh, where we have days of below freezing temperatures, sub-freezing temperatures, I guess I should say. But uh, this was kind of an unusual event. Doesn't mean that it can't happen, you know, these very low temperatures. So some of the questions I'm, I'm glad to see are uh, in, in response to what happened this past weekend. And I think it's critical because, you know, the folks who are asking these questions They've got problems in their landscape, and most likely because of this crazy dip in temperature we had, you probably have some of the same concerns. So I want to put all of those at bay, put those to ease, because in general, we're going to be okay. And when spring comes, that's a revival. Uh, that's a, um, uh, a resurrection of life, if you will. So anything that may have been lost um, in the winter, we can always make up for it uh, when the weather is more conducive in some cases. So we'll, we'll talk more details about that. But yeah, if you have a question, if you've got a comment, if you need to send us pictures and, and videos of what's going on, of course, you can check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to be your uh, social media friends, family, whatever. I don't know. It's like a community. Uh, so be sure to check us out on the social medias as well. Well, I suppose because I get long-winded, we should go right into answering your questions to make sure we have uh, enough time for them. So this this morning we go to North Georgia, so right across somewhere, somewhere not far from where we are. Uh, and Carol writes; she's got a lengthy message here, so I kind of summarize. She's basically realized uh, what happened this past week with those sub-freezing temperatures. We're uh, experiencing the same thing, uh, of course, and she's noticing that some of the leaves on her plants, now that a week has gone by, some of the leaves on her plant are sort of brown, sort of dying looking, maybe crinkled up, uh, crunchy. If you go up to them and touch them, they're obviously not full of moisture anymore. And I guess basically her question here is, are the plants alive and what can I do? So we don't necessarily have a lot of information about the types of plants you're growing, Carol, but that's okay because I will explain maybe some of the, the plants you are growing. Obviously, um, we've talked about, let me back up. So we've talked about plant hardiness before. I think we dedicated a show or two in the past, so be sure to check out more details. This will just be a brief discussion. But to sort of explain what plant hardiness is, you can check out the full shows online at NewSouthernGarden.com. And in brief, the hardiness zones or the hardiness of a plant refers to its ability, that particular plant, so say azalea or gardenia, those particular plants, each one sort of has its own hardiness, which essentially means the amount of cold weather, the actual number, right, the on the thermometer, how low that temperature can go before they suffer and die. So when we talk about plants' hardiness and the hardiness zones, uh, 
If you have a plant that is, you know, hardiness zone uh, five, five to nine or whatever, that is the band of our growing regions. Of course, here in the south, uh, northeast Georgia, we're the southern part of the northeast Georgia, zone eight. We've got zone seven, and then we've got parts of six. And so we can grow plants that are hardy to those zones. So you have to sort of discover, first of all, what your hardiness zone is. And that's easy to find. You can go to the USDA website. You can just Google hardiness zone map for your region. Uh, Sometimes your county will have a a map because the hardiness is sort of changing. Some of the places that were cooler and and had deep winters, they're fairly mild, kind of like us. Of course, last week is not a testament to that statement. (laughs) That was just a sort of anomaly, I guess. But regardless, whenever you want to plant certain plants outdoors and have them survive year after year, you've got to consider that hardiness zone that you're growing in and make sure that the plants you decide to choose can grow in your hardiness zone, which means they can handle the coldest average temperatures that your area gets. So if you're growing hardy plants to your zone, they will have no problem going through the winters. That doesn't go without saying, though, that when we have this sort of weird situation that we've just experienced last week, that doesn't mean that those plants maybe aren't affected, right? So some of the plants that are right on the border of your hardiness zone, if you're growing certain plants that are, you know, zone, say you're zone seven and the plant is zone seven, or maybe the plant is sort of a 7B to 8 they can't handle quite as low of a temperature as you have. doesn't mean that they'll necessarily die, but some of them very well could suffer. And then the ones that really are not hardy are going to go. So let's start with sort of a list of things, um, types of plants, and how they'll be affected by what happened last week. If you're growing tropical plants, most of those are going to be down are going to handle hardiness zone nine okay 10 and 11 those are really tropical zones so if you're growing tropical plants they should have been brought inside a long time ago because in general tropical plants uh things that are basically house plants for us they don't like temperatures below 55 now some of them can push down a little deeper uh, but once we get to a solid freeze then most true tropicals they are gone they are gone gone their leaves, their stems, and their roots, particularly if they're in a pot, are going to get frozen and they won't be able to revive from that situation. Other tropicals, of course, are like the annual plants that we put in our annual beds. We've got begonias, petunias, all of those things, impatience, the things we love to grow in the summer. Now, most likely they have already gone, but if they hadn't completely gone, um, It got cold enough that they should be smoked out, completely frozen. So they're not going to last. But then we get into those plants that we call perennials. Now, perennials are called perennials because they return year after year. And the fact that they can return year after year in your zone means that they can handle your coldest average temperatures, your hardiness zone. So perennials that are listed for zone 8 can handle zone 8. But you start to grow zone 8 perennials in 7 or 6 They'll have a great time growing in the summer, but they're not going to be able to handle those coldest temperatures that you've had, just like the six degrees or nine degrees. I saw both of those pop up over last weekend in our area. 
and maybe where you are, if you're in the mountains, <laughs> up here in Cleveland, you may be even colder. So regardless, um, the perennials are only perennials if they can handle your coldest temperatures, if they're situated for your hardiness zone. So the perennials should be fine. Now, some of the perennials that uh, were growing in my landscape, they were still sort of green, had leaves, um, until this past weekend. Some of them were able to handle even the, the kind of uh, mild freeze we had, 29, 30, 31. Uh, but once we got to this weekend where there was below freezing, and it lasted during the day, we were in the 20s, at night we were in the 9s and the single digits, those leaves are now brown and crunchy. It's been a week since the freeze, and they are looking bad for what they looked like before last weekend. But I'm not worried about those perennials because even though their foliage froze out, the root system below ground is still perfectly all right. And many of the perennials that I'm talking about, they actually grow even further north than we are. New England, uh, probably parts of Canada. And so I'm not worried about these perennials just because their leaves look bad. All right, so that's perennials. They will return from their root system, uh, most likely. Uh, if there's a perennial, I should mention this, if there's a perennial that does not like cold and wet, if it's in a particularly wet area and we've had these cold temperatures and, and they return for parts of the winter, you may see some damage even below ground. But that's more of a moisture, soil moisture issue than cold temperatures. But now the next group of plants that, is probably um, more concerning to us is like shrubs and trees. So shrubs and trees, of course, they have uh, woody stems. Because they're woody, they generally, the stems are very hardy to very low temperatures. Again, that is determined by that hardiness zone. So make sure that whatever shrub or tree you're growing, that it's hardy in your zone. But leaves, the leaves on evergreen shrubs in particular, we're not talking about hydrangeas and viburnums and roses that generally drop their leaves over winter. We're really probably looking at some problems with those plants that are shrubby or tree-like, woody plants, and have leaves all winter long. We're coming up on a break here, but I want to, to leave you with that until we get back, that we're going to talk about some of these shrubs that probably look pretty rough because the leaves have been damaged, like Carol says, the leaves are brown, drying. We're going to talk about that and what's going on when we get back from this break. So hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well.
so gang, this morning, uh, well, first of all, it's not just the last day of the month, which means we're answering your questions on our Q&A episode, our Q&A week, but we're also here on the last day of the year, so we've got a lot of assessments to make, maybe, as, as you're walking through this weekend, over the next week, going into New Year, uh, making assessments of your garden, seeing what's going on. Winter is always a good time to make assessments to sort of observe what needs to be done, what could be done next year. And of course, there are plenty of things that you can do. There are plenty of things that you can do this this season to prepare, maybe correct some things that went awry. Um, and, and so this morning, we're sort of doing a little bit of that because Carol here in North Georgia, she has sent us a question in response to uh, what happened with our weather last week. And if you're not from our area, um, or if you are, maybe I need to remind you <laughs> that last week, uh, around Christmas, Christmas Eve weekend, we had those terribly cold nights, and it wasn't just chilly. It was cold because we were in the single digits. And, you know, for folks in Zone 3 or 4, way up there, where they go below zero degrees Fahrenheit for most of the winter, they probably think we're babies, but we don't normally see those single digits, and so our plants don't. So what kind of damage has been inflicted on our plants? What kind of things should we be concerned about, and what do we need to do to uh, sort of correct any damage from this winter weather that we've had? And of course, this can continue. This winter weather can continue. We, don't, uh, we can look at forecasts. Of course, we can uh, listen to the weather here on WRWH 93.9 FM because this is your hometown radio, which means you're going to be getting your hometown weather reports. So that's what we're concerned about. So with all that in mind, we were talking before the break about different groups of plants and how they might respond to the kind of weather that we had this past weekend. We talked about annuals and, and tropical house plants. Of course, tropicals, uh, annuals, they are just around for the warm season. Um, in particular, house plants need to be brought in to protect themselves or they'll be gone. I mean, if you left a house plant out over last weekend, it would be gone. We had made some trimmings from some house plants at the nursery, and we threw the trimmings on the ground just outside the house. And after last weekend, those trimmings are just mush. They're just mush, stems and leaves. All of those trimmings are just mush. So with that in mind, that could have happened to your tropical plants, house plants, if they weren't brought inside. Uh, then, of course, the annuals. Now, there are two different groups of annuals, right? So there's summer annuals, which like it hot but cannot handle, handle our winter weather. Those annuals would definitely be gone if they hadn't have died already when we had freezing temperatures uh, before. But then you have those annuals that you probably just recently planted in the fall. Of course, down here in the south, we're growing pansies, snapdragons, violas, uh, some of the cabbages, and kales, the ornamental things. Well, those are generally cool season. But I'll say you probably have seen a little bit of damage maybe on snapdragons and some of those uh, winter vegetables, like the ornamental kales and cabbages and, and things. Normally, they don't have a problem. Normally, we don't have this sub-freezing temperature for several days at a time. But even with those annuals, we probably should keep an eye out for them uh, in the next coming week or so. You've probably already seen some damage if there was damage. Uh, but regardless, some of the effects of freezing don't show up for several days after the freezing event has taken place. Then we talked about perennials. And of course, if perennials are zoned correctly, if you are growing perennials that can handle your growing 
hardiness zone, which of course uh, for us ranges, but the southern end of North Georgia is about eight, and the northern end pushes into sixes and maybe even five in the higher altitudes. But you've got to make sure that the perennials you're growing can handle your coldest temperatures or they won't be perennial. But if you had some perennials that were looking good, sort of had green leaves, and you thought they were uh, in, in a good situation, they probably still are. But you've noticed that maybe their leaves are brown and crunchy by this point. Several things at, at uh, the, the, the house, at my house, uh, have, have responded that way. I'm not worried about the plant itself. It's just the leaves are not as uh, hardy to the cold temperatures as the roots will be. Those are well below ground, which of course are protected by the warm soil and mulch and other things like that. But then we left off by talking about the shrubs, the shrubs and trees, the woody things. Now remember, woody plants tend to be very hardy because their stems become hard. They're, they're woody plants after all. Now some woody plants can't handle our coldest temperatures, but many of them can. Some of the things we grow that are very hardy, of course, azaleas and uh, hollies and conifers like arborvitae and eastern red cedars and these wonderful plants. And then there's some plants that are still very hardy, but they may show some winter damage. So let's take gardenia, for example. Now, we're answering Carol's question here in North Georgia, but she doesn't mention any specific plants. She just notices that some plants... Their leaves are brown. They appear to be dying, uh, which I would say that they appear to be dying, but they've already died. Those leaves have already died just because of cold temperatures. So there's a plant that we grow at my house. It's gardenias. And the gardenias, maybe you have them. And we had some damage on our gardenias at the nursery even because of this winter, uh, this past weekend. But the gardenia, they can't grow much further north than we are. So what we sort of expect is, since we're on that kind of borderline, there are some very hardy gardenia selections uh, that don't have a problem, like the frostproof. It has a wonderful name. The frostproof gardenia can plow right through. But for some of the varieties, maybe some of the older ones, and particularly some that you may have received as um, a gift from a florist, um, somebody bought you a gardenia from a florist, those tend to be not as hardy as some of the landscape varieties, but they still may make it. But with a weekend like this, what I've noticed on some of my gardenias, not all of them, but some of them, maybe just because of where they're situated, they're not as protected, uh, maybe it's a, a, an alleyway where wind blows, and of course with all the wind and, and uh, cold temperatures that just got very cold for them. But regardless, um, the gardenias, for example, at my house suffered Big time. They suffered big time from this cold weather. And there's one plant in particular that almost all the leaves on top are curled. They're crispy now. Uh, but they're obviously not very healthy. <laughs> Most likely, those leaves have suffered from those very cold temperatures that we've had. And you can check that, of course, by touching the leaves sort of crumbling them in your hands if they fall apart after a, a, now a week has passed since these cold temperatures. Uh, what happens is the cells in those leaves are freezing. They sort of get mushy, but then any moisture in there dries out. And it's sort of like the plant um, has dried out, even though, it, it, it well, it has, uh, but it was all due to not a lack of water, like we may worry about in the summer, but a, a lack of warm temperatures. These very cold temperatures have caused that leaf to become damaged. 
Does that mean, to answer Carol's question, does that mean they are dead? Are they alive? Yes, I'm not worried about the life of that gardenia. I'm worried about some cosmetic issues, right? Because now we're going to have some dead leaves on the plant going into spring. But the plant is very much alive. And here is a good test to do that. All you need is your fingernail or maybe um, a sharp knife, but not one that's going to cut you because you're going to make little cuts or, or, or peel back the bark along the stems on the plants that are suspect, the plants that you think may have suffered. Start at the tip and just scratch a little bit of the bark. And if right underneath the bark you see bright green, maybe some white, that is a good sign the plant is alive. Um, if there is decay in a plant because of this winter weather, it will usually be in the tips. So if you notice uh, the top few inches, it's kind of brown. It's kind of off color, maybe even black. Uh, that is not a sign of life. And you keep going down the stem until you find some green underneath the bark. And you know that when you've found the green, that the plant should be alive from that point down. Now, in order to sort of resolve this issue what do we need to do all we need to do is in the spring trim the plant back where it's died i uh you can prune back dead wood this time of year but i would wait until the majority of our winter weather is passed because if not you'll be opening a wound that could freeze even further so there's not much to do now carol but just check on the life that's in your stems the leaves may be dead but the stems could be alive and then later Let's prune it back. Okay, gang, we've got more of your questions coming up on New Southern Garden. Hang through the break here. Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about your gardens. You've sent us questions this month. It's the last Saturday of the month, last Saturday Saturday of the year. And, of course, we go to the mailbag, we go to the mailbox, we go to the inbox, we go to the message board, wherever. You can always send us a question on the website at NewSouthernGarden.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can send us pictures there, videos there, because in this business, I know that sometimes words aren't enough. Pictures will really help us identify a problem, identify a plant, uh, and, and helping you be even more successful in your landscape. But today, we're not talking about identifying a problem. We know what the problem was. Uh, we just wrapped up answering Carol's question. She's here in North Georgia. She had sub-freezing temperatures last weekend, just like we did. And I wanted to sort of summarize the pro- uh, sort of summarize that discussion in another way. Growing in the South is kind of a a unique place. I still think, of course, that uh, when God created the Earth and created this part of the world, He said the Southern United States is going to be 
the best place to garden because we can almost grow anything and we can grow something all year long. Now, for folks who maybe come from up north where when it gets cold, it stays cold, that is not the case in the south. In the south, we sort of go through, at least lately, it starts to get cold and we have some cold days. So we have some freezing temperatures, maybe overnight for a few hours. But then the next day, it might be in the 60s, 70s. It was warm uh, the later part of this week. And we had just come from, from single digits the weekend before. So we sort of go through the ebbs and flows of temperature change. And that is sort of confusing for plants. So if, we, if our area got cold and stayed cold, we wouldn't have so much winter damage on our hardy plants. But what happens is, like with the gardenia that I was talking about at my house, uh, that has some winter damage from those single digit temperatures, is a few days before it was warm. And so those warm, if we get 60s and maybe low 70s in December, uh, maybe January will stay a bit more moderated. But if we get these extremes where we go from cold to warm, well, it sort of confuses the plants because at those higher temperatures, it encourages, it encourages the plant to grow. And so if the plant's starting to crack some buds, and I'll say we had some wygelia at the nursery. Now, it's a completely hardy plant. It's a native plant. It grows here naturally, so it has no problem with the temperatures. But because we had these kind of warm days, I saw the buds cracking open and leaves forming. And what happened last weekend to those wygelia leaves, those young tender growth, it died back. So I'm not worried about the overall health of the plant. But what happens in the South is we tend to have uh, these freezing temperatures followed by or preceded by very warm temperatures. And that can stimulate a plant to kind of get going. And then, of course, that dramatic change is going to take that new growth down. So with the gardenias that I'm concerned about at my place, of course, uh, the leaves look kind of sad. They're curled up. They're wilty-like. But when I look at the stems, the entire stem is beautiful. So what we'll do with these kinds of plants that suffer from the winter damage is in the late part of winter, after the danger of freeze for sure, and hopefully danger of frost has passed, or early spring, sometime late March, early April, mid-April, we'll trim that back. We'll just cut back anything that was damaged by winter because it, it may happen again. So I don't want to rush to prune in the winter because we can have those fresh cuts freeze out and cause even more winter damage. Leave your damaged winter damaged plants as they are for now. And then as soon as we get to the growing season, the start of the growing season, prune them back, get rid of any decay, any dead matter uh, that unfortunately got suffered from these winter temperatures we've had. It was just a strange, bizarre thing. Because what happens in late winter here in the South is in February, we have some nice 70 degree days. And because we've gone through a bit of winter, plants really start growing. And then we'll have another frost or another freeze. And we had this event early, I would say, usually December, it's not quite like this, but it may happen again in the late part of winter. So don't be concerned don't be scared. As long as the plants that you are growing are hardy, somewhere down in the stem, maybe in the root level, you will have life. And that can be encouraged to rejuvenate, of course, in the spring. Um, now, 
we we, we got to go to the next question. We got to go to the next question. This this next question sort of goes along with what was um, what we were just talking about because Susan from Facebook she has recognized this cold past week we had. And she said, I wanted to plant a dogwood this fall, but just didn't have time to get to it yet. Is it okay to plant a dogwood now? I know it was really cold this past week. Is it too cold to plant? Okay, so now, instead of talking about assessing what we've got in the landscape and what may have become damaged because of the weather that we've had, now we're going to talk about what about planting new things? In the winter, what about planting new things when we have these crazy dips in temperature down to single digits? Is it too cold to plant? Um, Susan, let me start out by saying this. If you are going to grow a plant that has been grown in a container, say from a nursery, or maybe you've grown it yourself, as long as the plant is in a container, technically, you can plant a containerized plant any time of the year, as long as the ground is not frozen. And the only reason you can't plant if the ground is frozen is because you can't dig frozen soil. (laughs) It's just hard. The good thing about growing here in the South is that rarely does our soil freeze. I will say that when we were building the nursery, we hadn't even opened yet. There was a winter, I guess it would be about 17, 2017, where we had below 30 degree weather. It was in the 20s or cooler. We had that kind of temperature during the day, during the night for 10 days, 10 to 14 days. I don't think it was quite two weeks. And that extreme low, well, for us, it's fairly extreme, but sub-freezing temperatures for an extended period of time, we actually were trying to dig and the top maybe one to two inches of our soil was frozen. But that rarely happens because what happens is, is yes, we have a few days of cold below freezing, but then we have a warm period and the ground, it takes a long time for it to freeze. It takes a long time really for it to cool down and chill down. So the great thing, Susan, about growing plants in the South is that we can generally plant in the winter because the ground is not frozen. So yes, you can do this. Now, some other concerns I know you have is, is it too cold to plant? Okay, for a dogwood, it is never too cold to plant as long as the ground is not frozen. Um, It may be too cold for you to plant. It may be too cold for me to get out there and want to be. I didn't do anything last weekend outside. We really at the nursery sort of did greenhouse work and cleaned up around the office and stuff like that because we didn't want to be outside. So it may be too cold for you, but it's not too cold for a dogwood. We were talking earlier about hardiness zones, right? Well, the dogwood is a very hardy plant. The dogwood itself in general uh, is listed as a zone four hardiness zone plant. Now let's put that in temperatures. Hardiness zone four is good for plants that can handle negative 20 to negative 30 degrees Fahrenheit. So as far as the dogwood itself is concerned, it's not going to have a problem with what even it was experienced last weekend. Six degrees, that's nothing to negative 20 and negative 30. So it's definitely not too cold for the dogwood itself. Here's some things that we might be concerned with with certain plants. 
If a plant is not as hardy as zone four, you know, that's way above our heads. But if a plant is hardy to zone seven, zone eight, maybe zone six, I am worried a little bit if that plant is not in the ground. Because even though the plant is hardy when it's in the ground. If the plant is, stays in its container all winter, you have this possibility every time the air freezes, the root ball freezes. So at the nursery, when it freezes overnight, uh, the days are fine, but it just freezes uh, after the sun goes down. We walk in in the morning, and we've got all of our root balls nice and frozen. They're just big ice chunks, big ice blocks. Now, for many plants, the plants we leave outside, they can handle it. Dogwood could handle that. But if you're worried about planting other things, it is better, really, for that plant to be in the ground during cold weather than to be above the ground where its root system can freeze in the matter of a couple of hours. If it's cold enough, uh, if, if, if the winter, te- if the, not winter, if the night temperatures drop so low, the air will freeze, right? The air is a freezing temperature, and so anything that is above ground is going to freeze. So, Susan, 100%, it is okay, it is not really ever too cold for a hardy plant to be planted in the winter. And, of course, um, I know, but of course, I should say, but of course, it might be too cold for you and me to want to plant it. So that's the only concern. Otherwise, in summary, You can plant a containerized plant any time of the year, as long as the ground is not frozen, which rarely happens here. Uh, For transplanted plants, things that are being dug out of the ground or moved, if you want to move a shrub from one area to another, uh, or if you're buying a tree that was grown in a field and it's wrapped up in burlap and you want to bring it out and plant it, that should definitely be done from fall through winter because you're damaging the roots But a containerized plant, there's no damage, so you can plant it any time of the year. We've already said before, many times, many, many times before, that fall through winter is the best time to plant hardy trees and shrubs, and perennials, for that matter, most perennials. So go ahead, Susan, take advantage, take advantage of this time of year. The ground, I have not seen it freeze yet, because it's not been uh, freezing temperatures for long enough. So we can still work the soil. As long as you can work the soil, as long as you can wrap up and bundle up and keep yourself warm, I think what you'll find is, though, if you go out there and start trying to plant something, uh, you'll quickly find that you start shedding layers because it takes work and energy. And even on some of the coolest days when we're planting at the nursery, we're starting to peel off layers because you, you just build up your body heat. So get out there and do it. This is a good time. What's going to happen is if you plant now, you've got a long window. You've got, say, all of January, all of February, most of March, and going into April before the plants are in a stressful situation. By the time we get into middle of spring, it may be really hot. It may be on the dry side. That's yet to be seen. But while the plant is dormant and the ground is warm, the roots can grow. And you can establish your new dogwood for the next two and a half, at least, maybe three months, getting more roots to develop, more roots to grow. And by the time we get into the uh, spring and definitely summer, you've got a plant that is better prepared to handle that active growing season with all those stresses that the weather and the climate provide. So it's really never too cold to plant hardy plants unless the ground is frozen. 
and that is usually not a concern for us here in the South. So there are a lot of concerns. I know there are a lot of concerns when we go through a winter weather like this, when we've got these dips. But as long as these plants are hardy, folks, as long as they can handle our coldest temperatures, they're going to be fine. Doesn't mean cosmetically they're going to have some issues. But that can all be resurrected, of course, in the spring. Uh, well, I know we're coming coming up on a break, but we've got more of your questions. Uh, this next one doesn't have to do with the cold weather. I think we've answered enough of the cold weather questions. This one actually is about mulch. You should be using mulch. And when we get back from this break, I'm going to tell you exactly why you should be mulching your landscape, garden spaces, anywhere you're growing plants. Hang on tight, gang. Hey, gang. It's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. You know, gang, today is sort of a bittersweet show. It's it's sweet because we're here together. It's sweet because we're talking about plants, but it's sort of bitter because it's it's the last show of the year. The last show of 2022. It doesn't seem like that long ago. It seems about like, you know, 364 days ago. That we were just starting off the year with so much hope and ambition. And I hope that those hopes and ambitions we had at the beginning of last year came true for us. And if they didn't, if there was still some concern, if there still was some problems, if there still were some issues, remember that tomorrow's a new year. Tomorrow's a promise, a hope of 365 more days of us doing great things, new things, uh, growing, growing better, growing well, and keeping things alive and beautiful and tasty. If you're growing vegetables and fruits, uh, growing things that are sweet, it's all a hope for a, new, for, for a great year. So um, I do, of course, wish you all a happy new year. And we'll be right back here next week. We'll continue to talk about plants. We'll crack open uh, the first, first episode, the first show of 2023. And we'll have, again, hopes and ambitions for a wonderful year. But we do have one more question to answer because, of course, the last Saturday of every month, we go to the mailbag, go to the mailbox. We answer your questions, give you our answers. Um, so we're actually headed to Anderson, South Carolina. Thanks, Jose, for sending us your question. Jose in Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, he simply says, what is the best mulch to use? Now, Jose, you probably know that that's an open-ended question there. So I, of course, could spend an hour, a whole show, on just that question. And you can find more about mulch uh, on our website at NewSouthernGarden.com. Just uh, search for mulch. And I, I think we dedicated at least one or two shows to just mulch because that is that, that, that is a big question. What is the best mulch to use? Um, I doubt I'll really be able to answer that. 
I think what I'm going to have to do is just talk about the benefits of mulch. We're going to have to talk about different kinds of mulch and how they respond to the soil, how plants may respond to them, and then let you determine for whatever plants you're growing or whatever look you want to have in your landscape what the best mulch is. I can definitely recommend to you, and I will, uh, some of the mulches that I prefer, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily the best. So let's start off with the benefits to mulch. Why do we mulch? Let me start by saying this. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned some folks from California uh, who came to the nursery because they've moved here recently. But (laughs) we had just planted a couple of hours before they arrived uh, some trees, and we put a nice mulch ring around them. Now, for you and me, if we're growing up here, if you've gardened here for any length of time, that doesn't look unusual to you. But to them, they pointed to it and they said, is this usual? Is this normal? Why are you doing this? And I was sort of shocked. I was like, what do you mean? Why are we mulching? Yeah, what, we don't do that in California. I'm like, well, what we do here, because, of course, there are four main benefits with our soil types, particularly here in the Piedmont. We have clay-based soils. But we want to mulch, first of all, because a layer of mulch, a blanket of organic matter on top of the soil, will help to moderate the temperature of the soil. So really, any material you use, and we'll talk about some of those in a minute, but any mulching material you use is going to help to keep the soil cooler in the, in the summer, An exposed soil is going to bake, and those roots below the soil are going to bake unless you block the sun a bit, shade the ground uh, with mulch. Then the second thing, of course, is a layer of a blanket of mulch on top of the the earth will help to uh, moderate the moisture in the soil. So it moderates the temperature, keeping the temperature cool in the summer, but warm in the winter. And then the second thing is it keeps more moisture in the ground in the summer. And it it just sort of keeps a a nice balance of of moisture uh, throughout the winter. Then the other thing mulch does is it suppresses weeds. Because you're putting a thick layer, uh, and really only two inches of mulch is appropriate, but you've got a thick layer of organic matter on top of the soil that is going to shade the soil, preventing light to stimulate more weeds to grow. So the weeds are there, but without the light, they sort of just hang out as seeds, or hopefully they rot (laughs) over time. So uh, mulch helps to suppress weeds. And then lastly, this is critical. All these are critical points, but this is critical what mulch does. A great benefit is it helps to build the organic matter content in your soil. So if we have a poor soil, which most of us do, when I say poor, um, I just mean maybe heavy clay, right? Organic matter will break down earthworms and beetles and all those things that love dead material. They'll eat your mulch and they'll take it down into the earth and they'll excrete it, right? The worm castings are wonderful. Uh, That helps to add fertility. And of course, it helps to add a higher organic content, which helps with water flow, water retention, uh, water drainage, nutrient retention, and all of these things. So the big four things why we mulch, Jose, is number one, we want to Um, moderate the temperature of the soil, moderate the moisture of the soil, uh, suppress weeds, and then, of course, build organic matter in our soil. But then that gets us down to what types of organic matter or mulch we can use. Well, let's think about three of the biggest things we normally say. Let's do four. So probably one of the most well-known is chipped-up wood. So an arborist or uh, a mulch company... um, they, they harvest lumber, not lumber, I shouldn't say timber. <laughs> they harvest trees. Maybe they're being cut down uh, for roadsides. Maybe they're being cut down for development, whatever. Well, they're repurposing those 
trees that are being removed by chipping them up. And so we have wood chips. Now they come in a, a dyed, you know, you can get black and brown and red or a natural color. Um, how, however, that is pretty common in our landscapes around here. Now, another common material is going to be pine straw. And pine straw is just uh, leaves from the pine tree. Of course, most uh, of the time, our pine straw is coming from South Georgia, where they have timber for pulpwood production and whatnot. They're harvesting that as a byproduct of the pulpwood industry, and they're baling it and selling it to us at outrageous prices so we can have a beautiful landscape. But pine straw is appropriate. Now, some folks do use stone. I don't love stone, uh, but you can use, you know, a pea gravel uh, or... Golly, taking us back to the 80s and 90s, right? Lava rock. <laughs> lava I don't know if anybody uses that anymore. But lava rock kind of came and went. But regardless, that could be. The only thing uh, about using that is it, it's not organic. Well, it's, it's an inorganic ma- material. It doesn't come from something that was alive uh, or is alive. And so because it's an inorganic, it doesn't, rocks don't break down quickly and they don't add organic matter to your soil. So I X that one out uh, big time just because they don't build your soil. And then lastly, of course, leaves, uh, composted leaves that have been chipped up. You can rake them from underneath your trees and put them where they need to go in flower beds. Between these four, I go for the wood chips every time, and I'll tell you why. The wood chips, because it's a woody material, it has a lot of carbon and a little bit of nitrogen. Now, the other, the rotted leaves and the um, uh, pine straw, they, they are leaves. They have lots of nitrogen and little carbon. So all three of those are wonderful, don't get me wrong. But when it comes to what I think is the best, I think the wood chips are. They break down slower. You don't have to replace them as frequently as you do pine straw or as frequently as you do leaves. But in the end, because there are more, there is more carbon, carbon is what's going to keep your soil fertile, healthy, Uh, holding on to water, but also draining it. That's the organic matter. The organic matter is critical, and it's carbon that's actually doing the work there. Leaves are great. I love to use those in certain conditions because I have excess amounts of them. But So, Jose, I hope that helps. Now you have to determine which one you think is better. I would lean towards the wood chips and the leaves every time. Well, gang, for WRWH uh, 93.9 FM and New Southern Garden, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and have a happy new year. We'll see you next year. (laughs) Give it a go. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.